Welcome to the MHA Corner Podcast, where we talk about news and developments in the post-acute space. Today, we hear from Tom Maxwell, Chairman and Co-Founder of Maxwell Healthcare Associates. He'll talk about the proposed rule by CMS to update Medicare hospice payments and the aggregate cap amount for the fiscal year of 2024. So the 2024 routine annual rate uh, setting changes imposed a percentage is proposed at 2.8%. It's an estimated increase of 720 million uh, in payments from 2023 to 2024. There are some reporting requirements. Uh, if you don't do the quality reporting requirements, which most people do, but there are some that fail to do that, it's a four percentage point reduction to the annual hospice payment update. If you didn't do that, it would be a 1.2 deduction. So make sure you're doing your quality reporting. If you need help with that, call us, we'll help you. The other thing that they did is they updated the hospice cap amount. So the hospice cap amount is the amount of money that each patient um, can be spent on. So cap is super important. Network cap becomes a real challenge is when you're in a really expensive state like California or New York City, it takes a lot less time to get to the cap amount. I'll explain that here in one second. But the proposed hospice cap amount for fiscal year 24 is $33,396.55. That's only a 2.8% increase from the 2023 cap amount, which was $32,486.92. So essentially they're not even keeping up with CPI or the rate of inflation. Essentially cap amount says if you admitted all your patients and they all lived longer than 100 days, you're gonna get over the cap. So we know we have lots of hospice patients that live less than 100 days. We have a lot that live longer than 100 days. So they're gonna pay you your daily rate per patient and then we average those out, you can't spend more than $33,396 on average for your patients. So what does that mean? In California, the length of stay on a patient is a lot less because they'll hit the cap amount up quicker. In South Carolina, where the payment rate is $160 versus $200, more days can be spent before you hit the cap amount. Medicare does this just to balance it out so that all patients don't have a really long length of stay, but you have to manage cap. You have to focus on this. If you go over cap, meaning you spend too much money on those patients, then the government will take that money back from you. So it's an automatic deduction from your payments. So cap is super important. Manage it. Focus on it. Um, there's tools in all kinds of the EMRs. There's a couple other softwares out there that help you manage cap. But um, once you get into cap problems, it's really a challenge. So you got to manage that. Again, this is all about the length of stay of your patient and the amount of dollars Medicare is paying you for each one of those days. So in California, you would hit cap on a patient at 166 days. If you did that same thing in South Carolina, where cap is lower, Mississippi, where it's even lower than that, you could do 208 days before you did it. So it all depends on where you live. And, you know, everything else in the government is wage adjusted and uh, CBSA adjusted. CBSA is the statistical uh, area where you live that increases or decreases the amount of money they pay you. Everything else in Medicare is wage adjusted, except for this cap amount is a standard federal amount. So they punish the people that are in the really expensive areas where it costs more to live, costs more to have nurses. California State Association, the New York State Association, a lot of the national association are spending time on that with advocacy because it's kind of an unfair advantage. Knowing that the benefit's 180 days, you hit the cap amount a lot quicker. So along with the state patient in California, it's really gonna cause you some, some pain, especially like a you know, late stage dementia, Parkinson's disease patient. These patients are on hospice longer than you know, a cancer patient. So you gotta pay attention to it and you gotta manage it. They also introduced the hospice quality reporting program. This is policy number 418.312, go look it up, make sure you do it. 
This is where they're going to introduce the HOPE, which is the Hospice Outcomes and Patient Evaluation Tool. And this is looking for quality measures and healthy quality efforts. So this is a tool that they're really going to spend time on trying to make sure that we're doing the right things in hospice and we should be. There's lots of tools out there for you, such as the Metalogics Muse tool. There's tools uh, inside of each one of your EMRs that will help you with this. But this is additional requirements you're going to have to answer. So it's kind of similar to the HISP questions that they introduced a couple years ago, but hopes that the next version of this. Again, really focusing on how much care you're providing to Nana. Also, you know, how are you managing Nana's pain, all those kind of things is where these questions are going to head. The next one is the one that scares me the most, and this one could cause real pain for the hospice industry. And I'm not seeing a lot of uproar in the industry about it, but I think we should be. Um, so let's all work together to fix this one. So it's the physician enrollment certification. So CMS proposes that physicians who order or certify hospice services or a Medicare beneficiary must be enrolled in Medicare and validly opt out as a prerequisite for payment in the hospice period of care. This is a large effort to address the hospice fraud. And so you have to be enrolled in Medicare if you're going to certify a patient in hospice. So that's one piece of it. The other piece of it is they start talking about a physician must visit the patient every 30 days. And so today we don't have physicians visiting patients every 30 days. And so that one has a lot of concern around, is it the right thing to do or not? Are we going to minimize access to care? So we're going to dive deep into this one with the policy changes to try to figure out how to streamline this or make it easier so that we don't impact access to care. So if we say that your doctor at the hospital is going to visit the patient or a doctor is going to visit the patient, there's a good chance that that patient won't get on service because it's, it's a hassle, right? So we're creating a hassle. So concern around that, the opposite side of that, I understand why the government wants to do it. They want to make sure that we're certified that the patient's hospice eligible and we're continuing to live with that. So there's got to be an easier way to do it than having to go visit the patient or having to send transportation for somebody's grandma that's in laying in the hospital bed to get, pick her up and take her to the hospital just so the doctor can certify her. So we're going to cause additional burdens to you know, hospice patients if this goes through. And there's a lot of stuff around the hospice payment rate update and the proposed rule. It needs to be for fair compensation and quality approval for hospice industry. It's all focused around fraud and waste. Lots of patients in the industry that are you know, on hospice for a really long period of time then get live discharged. And that's what the government's really focused on. That. Once a patient elects hospice, it's possible that your disease heals itself or you decide you don't want hospice anymore. There seems to be a large number of hospices that are discharging uh, late and, you know, after like 150 days and, and become a live discharge and then readmit later on. So, they're really focusing in on that area. The other area that, that you know the OIG came out, and I expect it's going to hit on this as well, is it's called A1802 question. The A1802 question, where were you prior to hospice? Did you have an inpatient stay? Did you have a ER visit? Or were you a community referral? If you answer physician, community referral, skilled nursing, or assisted living, or unknown, CMS now has the, the ability in your uh, local states have the ability at your physical intermediary to audit those patients. And so they've actually publicly stated OIG is going to do an ADR or a review of those patients for you. And I, my concern is that clinicians don't understand this question. They don't ask the right questions to the patient. Did you have an ER stay in the last 30 days? Did you have an inpatient event? Where were you prior to coming to hospice? Um, that's super important to make sure we answer that question right. One and two, it's super important to make sure that our patients are hospice eligible. So we're passing through the eligibility criteria. We're getting updated CTI. Um, a certificate of terminal illness, and it's super important to make sure we're evaluating that hospice patient over and over and over to make sure that they continue to meet the requirements for hospice. Again, this is a proposed rule, so not a ton of impact. We got an increase, cap increase, 
been talking about a decrease in CAD for a long time. I think the increase that we got was not in line with you know inflation and kind of the CPI, but at least it's an increase, not a decrease. Please write your congressman, write your senator, and tell them that you know, worst thing we can do is you know, restrict patients or limit patients that can be seen in the hospice. I still am a firm believer that no patient should die alone unless uh, no patient should die alone, period, and no patient should die unless they're in hospice. And this is a tragic accident. So many patients that's sick that needs care should fall under the hospice benefit and not not die on home health. Right. Hospice provides all the medication, DME, care, chaplain, social worker, spiritual care, family care, bereavement, all those things. So it's the right place for patients to pass away. Unfortunately, we're going to lose some patients um, this year, but if we do, um, we want to make sure that the hospice is beautiful. So get involved. With that said, appreciate all your time. Thank you for spending some time listening to us. Again, if we could ever be of help, call us. Um, if you have questions, call us. I'm happy to explain the rule. Talk to everybody soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the MHA Corner Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about the proposed rule, contact us at info at maxwellhca.com.